Welcome to the Young Money Podcast, where Eddie Young Rice interviews young entrepreneurs, hustlers, and innovators to get a first-hand view into the exciting future and the people who will lead us there. Hey, Daddy. Hey, what's up, Billy? How you doing? Doing well, thanks. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, it's good. Good to catch up. Uh, how's everything been with you? Are, are you in? Uh, are you in the Bay Area right now? No, actually, my um, my fiance took a job at Andrel, the uh, defense tech startup yeah. uh, down in Irvine. So we moved down to uh, Newport Beach in August. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, so I had so much time in SoCal. So uh, yeah, getting to like, know the spot and exploring some. So it's been cool. How about you? That's awesome. Yeah, actually also did a little, little bit of a move out of the Bay Area. Uh, recently moved to uh, to New York like a month ago. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like there's some uh, really good companies uh, coming up in New York, so it's exciting. I'm glad, as an East Coast native, I'm glad there, there's more options. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'm originally from Florida, you know, liked being in the Bay Area, like the West Coast, but wanted to kind of return. And yeah, I mean, I would say the cool thing about New York and probably even even like uh, SoCal is you get a variety of different people with from different industries. And so there's a lot more creativity yep. versus the Bay Area, you know, while it's great, it can be very like, singular minded or very just like yeah. all tech you know so yeah it's, it's been cool being here and a lot of a lot of interesting people working in a variety of different industries so it's, it's cool to kind of see that energy and see where it goes um yeah and, it's nice yeah. like when people are excited to be part of like a smaller tech community like optimistic about things versus everyone sort of being like sick of talking about yeah <laughs> like yeah, yeah exactly mind. exactly yeah um yeah that's cool and you said you're from the east coast where, where are you originally uh from uh outside philly like villanova Okay, cool, cool. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Well, well, also really cool that your your fiance is working for Andrew. That's that's an yeah. exciting company. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a really cool company. Um, they're building like really cool stuff. Um, yeah, everyone's gonna be like, I'm gonna come home late because we're going to give a demo to the uh like Singaporean government, like you know, on Zoom, <laughs> but like you know, I don't yeah, know, they're yeah. like testing. Um, yeah, it's cool stuff. Nice. And have you been reconnecting with any like Cabasig guys in SoCal? So I know there's like a good amount of people, uh, I think like Santa Monica, LA area. Yeah. Sam Barge from my year is doing his, uh, his residency. He's like one of my good buddies from, from my year. Cool. Uh, so he's residency at UC Irvine. So I see him a ton. And then um, like Cam Lindsay and, and, uh, is up in uh, Santa yeah. Monica. Uh, I see Sean O'Brien down in, in San Diego sometimes. Um, so yeah, pretty good. It's like been weird and during COVID to like yeah, yeah. go up and like get together and you know and small groups in the backyard. But I'm pumped for like things to open up more. Yeah, no, that, that's awesome, and so am I. Um, amazing. Well, Billy, thanks again for for doing this. Uh, give you some like brief context. We just wanted to like yeah. a forum to like chat with friends doing cool things and also just like help promote themselves or what, whatever they're working on. And um, I like doing this anyway, and so I thought it'd be you know there's, I thought there's like a cool opportunity here to do it. Um, yeah. yeah, I guess just to get started, um, would love to just kind of get an overview of your, uh, of your background, your, like your journey, your career journey, your entrepreneurial journey, all that from like, however far you want to go back, um, to what you're doing now today. Yeah, happy to, um, yeah, at a really high level, uh, sort of a strange mix of, of journalism and tech, um, you know, started off in undergrad, um, really interested in being a writer, being a journalist. Uh, that's how I got into tech. I, I started reading for TechCrunch. Uh, just kind of funny coincidence uh, or, or great timing, I guess. Uh, very first article I wrote for TechCrunch, I uh, was interviewing Evan, Evan Spiegel about Snapchat. Um, wrote for TechCrunch about two and a half years there uh, while I was an undergrad. 
uh, covering all the early stage companies coming out of Stanford. Uh, big ones at the time were like DoorDash, Klinkle, a um, bunch of other ones that were, that were interesting, but maybe not as big of household names. Um, then 2014, had the opportunity to go work on the investing team at Coastal Ventures, you know, early stage seed, Series A, Series B, uh, consumer investments, working with uh, Keith Boy and Ben Ling. Um, learned a ton then, uh, you know, we, we've been data angel investor or uh, done the seed round already in um, Instacart and DoorDash. Uh, so a bunch of like interesting things in, in the food delivery space, um, you know, just, just learning sort of all the different pieces of venture, you know, how do you source an investment? How do you do diligence? How do you, you know, do, do a um, responsible amount of diligence without doing so much that you talk yourself out of investing in anything? Yeah. Um, you know, how do you win a deal? How do you support portfolio companies after, after close? Um, so that was, that was a great experience. And then got a book deal, which I can go into more detail on uh, in a minute uh, in 20, I think late 2015, I'd write a book about snap. Uh, so the whole kind of idea that that book was um, idea at IPO wrote that from well, research and then wrote that and, and reported it out from 2015 to 2017 that came out February, 2018. Um, and then sort of during that, all these timelines kind of get blurred together, yeah. uh, was getting my MBA at, at Stanford business school. Um, and then graduated and, and knew that I was, uh, you know, interested in joining an early stage company, basically trying to go as early as I could, where I could get conviction behind, uh, you know, the founder of the team, the idea, um, met Parker Conrad, who was at the time working on um, Rippling, and you know they had probably thirty something employees, uh, almost all engineers just building the product. A couple of salespeople, a couple of marketing people were just sort of starting to get um, you know some traction, so just starting to hire those people. And, and so I joined about three years ago, uh, summer twenty eighteen, in a very generalist business role, like special projects. Uh, you know, did everything from building on a help center to doing our Series A fundraise with Parker to uh, building out like the business infrastructure behind one of our, our business lines. Um, and then about a year ago, moved over uh, to running business development. So in our, that can mean many different things depending on the company, but in our case, it means like tech product partnerships. Um, yeah, that's uh present day. Yeah. Good, good, good overview. Yeah. And I feel like you've done that and appreciate you sharing notes earlier too, but I, uh, well, first off, the first time I heard about you was in Tampa City at Stanford. I was like, oh, you got to meet Billy Gallagher. He's a legend, you know, editor-in-chief of Stanford Daily, you know, a, a, a huge, huge voice in the house, student body president, you know, wrote for TechCrunch. So I've always kind of like looked up to you and, you know, uh, heard and seen your impact in the Valley. So I think mean, that's, that's big. And it seems like in, in general, you've done like a mix of everything, touching like tech and startups from every different angle, investing, writing, um uh operating so that's super cool yeah uh, i think how you look at it it's like it, it can seem just kind of schizophrenic uh you know just trying to kind of focus on what what is yeah. the most interesting thing at, at the time yeah, yeah. um you know in a, in a lot of ways you know writing writing about startups uh for TechCrunch, you know investing in and then building i think it, it's all sort of like where am i going to have like the steepest learning curve right now yeah. Yeah. um so that's kind of the, the the common thread but yeah, but definitely uh, can seem sort of just like a random hodgepodge of things. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I feel like on that point, I don't know if I'm like, like, this is just my mindset. I'll change in two or three years, but I feel like that's the new age of 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 careers or just life. I think that it's actually going away from the forty year old forty year career somewhere, and it's more about like just constantly learning and jumping around and just doing what excites you and like making enough money to do that. Like, yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, I think. Um, you know, there, it was really like, if you look at 
a broader scope. Like it was really just this post-war boom that the 40 year career was a thing. Like, you know, previously you, you know, the entrepreneur would have been like opening your own blacksmithing shop before that you were a farmer. Um, and, and it really was like a very brief period of time where you would like go join, you know, Ford motor co and try to work up a ladder for 40 years. And I think it was probably good for the economy that we're not all doing that. I think there's still value. And if you went to Stripe right now and you were like, I'm going to be here for 30 years. Um, but I think there's also, uh, you know, a, a sense like you might not have a linear like earnings path. You might join a startup that flops and then the next startup goes big, or you might, um, you know, be a, be a creator, having a Substack, a podcast, um, you know, any number of things. And like one project might flop and the next might be a giant home run. And so yeah, plenty to figure out, but I, but it's, it's exciting to kind of see the creativity. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and like, I had a friend who said that that's kind of, that's kind of the old way that we used to do it. Like hunter gatherers, like you just be kind of just doing, you know, what was the predictability and stability and kind of like your, your, uh, your career or, you know, um, your lifestyle, but it was just, just finding the, the new exciting thing to kind of work on and see, see where it, where it went. Uh, but yeah, that is interesting that the idea of the history of, like large industrialism and large companies kind of pushing that. I also do think like, it's like the free market, you know, whatever your opinions are on that, but it kind of, things do work out for a reason. And it's like, there's so many variables, it's hard to say, but everything kind of works out. If you think about the, the, the other trend that we've been afraid of, but we've heard about is automation of jobs. So if you actually think about it, like this, this kind of push of people wanting to be more creative and like create value and like be in, inventive, um, is coming at the right time and starting at the right time when you have like this other force, which is like that most of those jobs will get automated anyway. You don't need a big company with thousands of employees actually anymore. Um, like realistically, we're kind of seeing it with COVID even uh, more companies getting just kind of decentralized and the future work will be very much like project-based um, as opposed to like company-based, I, I feel like. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, it's been fascinating to see. I think, I think especially the decentralization. I mean, like a million different topics we could hit on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the the degree to which um, you know you used to just be like everyone's gonna be in San Francisco, or maybe we have like one second office. Um, yeah. You know, I, I know a lot of tech companies are building like uh, sales and support offices in, in Phoenix uh, to be kind of close to the hub, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but to save money because uh, you know the Bay Area is so so insanely expensive, and it's like doesn't actually make a ton of sense to have, you know, everyone in Phoenix versus yeah, yeah. just have all those sales and, and support people live wherever, you know, it's, yeah, I think it's better yeah. for the country to have those jobs, uh, yeah. you know, in all 50 States. Um, and you, you get time zone coverage if, if they're customer facing folks. I feel like the biggest question was efficiency. Could it work? And then COVID forced that yeah. experiment. And it, it does force work. experiment and it does work. Yeah. Yeah. No, hundred percent. Yeah. It's, it is cool. I mean, part, I will say like, I realized this recently, like, there is that fear, though, we are becoming more distant. I mean, I guess everyone's afraid of that all the time with new technology. But if you kind of think about it now, it's like, OK, now the office was like a place where you go that you needed to go to be in person and interact socially. Now yeah. that in a way and I'm, I'm pro technology, I think it's like this is going to unleash more creativity. But there's always, you know, side effects that you have totally. to kind of control. And so like yeah. now it's like it kind of hit me. It's like, oh, wow, like that last place that you needed to go to to like you were forced to go to like socialize. Now that's gone. I mean, you could literally live in your apartment. You could do food, you know, grocery delivery, uh, food delivery for your meals. You could uh, work online. I mean, you could play video games. I mean, you, first, like you don't really need need to leave your apartment. 
which is like kind of wild. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I am definitely a very social creature. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's, there's days where my fiance is in the office and I, she gets home at like seven o'clock and I'm like a golden retriever. Like, where have you been all day? What? Tell me tales of the outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm flying up to the office actually tomorrow uh, for the first time since the pandemic. Oh, nice. uh, and I'm like, you know, I feel like a kid having a play date. I'm like, oh, I get to yeah, be yeah, interested yeah. And like, you know, all my imaginary internet friends I just talked to on Zoom for the last however many months. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I get to see them in person. Um, it is it is a very like strange bundle when you think about it that it's like it's this it's your your job it's like the people you collaborate with it's also yeah, you know, yeah. a social environment um, it's a strange bundle and so I think I think to the degree to which it does get um, unbundled like I, I have friends who are remote only workers before COVID yeah, yeah. Uh, and they were saying like COVID is is good in some ways and that it forced everyone to try remote but like it's also not what remote really is for them where they they you know couple days a week we'll go work from a coffee shop or work yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, other friends who work remote or like a co-working space or their, their their homes or you know you work uh and, and don't have that social interaction until five but then you go to dinner or drinks yeah. or yeah. you know go do whatever you know go for a bike ride together after work or before work um as so they were like it's not you know just sitting at home alone 24 <laughs> 7 is maybe not the <laughs> yeah, know, yeah representation yeah 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 and, and and like i know there's a big a big growth in like uh flex workspaces community centers so I'm, I'm sure it'll fill in and then also like you have you have the, the people who have been doing it before um which are like remote workers like that and like digital nomads that that were on the fringe but that's becoming more and more the norm of being also not just being remote work but travel plus remote work like the people who were like you know i was like view that as a challenge like wow like that's like good for you that seems like a lot of work but like in you know a lot to do but they're like oh yeah i'm going to hawaii for a month and just work from yeah. there everything's set up I'm like you know i got that sounds fun like in theory but like you know organizing that logistics like i i feel like that it just be would be a lot but i feel like that over time will also get standardized and like there'll be technology and companies and tools to make it easier um but that'll yeah i'm sure we'll, we'll hit like an equilibrium where like you do socialize differently you work differently but it gets better on average. Yeah, especially like you think about, um, you know, you grow up in one place, go to college, you know, I grew up in Philly, yeah. back to Stanford for undergrad. Yep. You know, you might, you might go get a job in New York or Chicago or wherever, you know, go to grad school somewhere else. Um, and and you have friends like everywhere. Like I would have loved yeah. that yeah. at, at, you know, 23, 24, uh, rather than having this, this um, you know, so much of my income going into like the San Francisco apartment for 12 months a year, um, you know, yeah, it's been yeah. a couple months a year there, you know, and maybe it's even more per month, but it's, it's flexibility. And then, yeah, yeah. you know, you're, you're going out and you're spending a month in Seattle, you're spending a month in somewhere in Idaho, uh, you know, you're, yeah. you're checking out Denver, uh, you know, swinging down South. Like, I think that's a really interesting model. And, and yeah, uh, yeah definitely something like in the pre-kids <laughs> uh, time period of life is, is, is pretty uh, interesting yeah no, definitely um so yeah i definitely want to uh also touch on uh you as a writer like how did you get interested in writing um yeah how, how, did, how did how did you start enjoying writing yeah it's one of those things that like i i you know I, i've always been interested for for as long as i can really remember like i i think uh i i remember like you know as early back as like second grade like you know english class like definitely more writing like you know creative writing exercises being yeah. attractive to me um i mean i remember being like in middle school like going through that sports are the the most important thing in the world yeah, uh, yeah. phase that i think a lot of a lot of young guys go through and 
um, reading like Rick Riley and Peter King and being like, I should be like a sports reporter, um, you know, standing on like the sidelines of Eagles games and, and, uh, and writing. And so uh, then got into journalism, like was, uh, was writing and editing for my school paper in high school, um, yeah. you know, did the same in college. Um, so it's, it's kind of something that, that, that's been attractive to me for a while. I think in particular, like love reading and writing, um, narrative nonfiction, um, you know, those are always the sort of, um, articles I love to re- write books. I love to read. Um, I think there's just like, there's so many interesting things happening in the world that, uh, and, and obviously like truth is stranger than fiction. I mean, there's, there's a detail in, in my book where, um, where Reggie Brown, uh, who's suing, uh, Evan Spiegel about, uh, snap hired the Winklevoss twins lawyers. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, you know, if, 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 if you were writing, uh, you know, uh, a fiction, fictional, like social network two or yeah, screenplay, yeah. and you wrote in that detail, they'd be like, all right, come on, like make, make it a little more believable. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's a really fascinating element of like this, the truth is stranger than fiction. And then um, I think there's something, I think actually investing is like this too. Um, yeah. There's something that to like uh, Sherlock Holmesing, you know, there, there's like a dark map uh, and you have to oh. sort of like, connected disparate pieces of information um you know earn the trust of of sources um connect a to b to c understand that d might be a red herring um so that's and and then you know i I like actually the reporting process a lot more than than the writing i think it's fairly common um you know the writing you just sort of vomit onto the page and then and then improve it until you no longer hate it and then it's probably ready to go um but the writing process can be more painful but the reporting I, i love yeah, no, and I definitely agree with like the, the Sherlock Holmes aspect of like, especially at writing the nonfiction, you're like trying to meet different people, get the right story, understand what, what actually adds up. And I probably the more controversial the story, the more like loose ends or fake story. Like, yeah, and I, I feel like that's super cool. Yeah, I guess like just jumping into that. I mean, how, um, and another thing too, just to add is I feel like writing is undervalued uh, these days, or it's always been kind of but it's actually super important, especially in the Bay Area with tech, like humanities kind of gets a, a second, uh, you know, gets the, the passenger seat or whatever. Uh, yeah, it's funny. I think I think it like in the abstract or maybe for the average person it does, but then, you know, everyone is re- is subscribing like the same sub stacks and like, so, you so, know, reading yeah. Strachery and, and Ben Thompson's carved out an amazing career for himself. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, plenty of others that are that are doing interesting things in the media space. And Dries and Horowitz, like, yeah. <laughs> is, is, you know, focusing so intently and i think they always kind of have been a media firm to some degree and so yeah um yeah. it's funny this sort of i think there's something similar with mbas if you want to go there but it's sort of like there's like a cognitive dissonance of like we just want engineers except for the following list of extremely successful people that we all read and listen to yeah 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 that's funny and and, and maybe that's becoming on that and like uh quickly is like i do think maybe maybe that's becoming more visible to the forefront of like um you know, I, I've done a lot of consumer startups and stuff, and I have friends to work on it right now. It's like products are getting easier to build. So it's kind of mm-hmm. actually less emphasis on engineering. I mean, and, but maybe, maybe it's always been like this, but I don't know. But now you're seeing more and more uh, about building community, getting yep. distribution, all those things that, and it's funny, you talk about, you know, Andreessen Horowitz, I was talking the other day about this, that in my opinion, you know, that with venture capital, with, with VCs in particular, it's all about branding and marketing. I mean, it's like, how do you get the right deals? How do you know the right people? How do you, yeah. you know, obviously you do due diligence and research, but I assume like you have smart people at the, most of the firms, what differentiates is probably the connections you have, the relationships as well as, and, 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 and like the personal branding from that. And then also the branding of the firm. 
And so yeah. you've got like content, you know, now Gary V contents, everything, but like, it's like more visible now, but I feel like yep. yeah, to your point though, it's maybe it was a secret before, maybe it's always been like this, but like media, like the idea of media is super important. Yeah. I mean, I, I ton of everything that go on there. there. There was an interesting uh, interview I was reading with the Figma CEO the other day where he's kind of echoing exactly what you were saying where, um, you know, the, the engineering has gotten so much easier. You know, it's, 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 it's not the case that, you know, only five people in the world could code a, a photo sharing app or, or, yeah, a, clubhouse yeah. or a clubhouse clone. Um, and so, you know, that the, the value layer, I mean, talking to his own book a little bit, he's, he's talking about how it's going up to design. And, and I think, hmm. you know, design is really like a, a another layer and then above that is probably the vision and like the creativity to be like actually yeah. you know the, the, the solution is x not y is that um, kind of like like a maslow's hierarchy of needs kind of mm-hmm. a little bit where like the, the core was just building it and then okay now you can build it and now you go higher higher yeah and, and the, I, didn't, I didn't even touch on des- designs another big one that's like yeah oh design doesn't really matter it can like look whatever now it's like okay like the product you can build it the design sets it apart yeah, I think in particular in consumer, like, you know, consumer, yeah. uh, in, in SaaS, it's sort of like the buyer wants to have a job to get done and like, yeah, we'd yeah, rather yeah, be yeah. pretty, but like, it's ultimately not not winning the day. Um, true, true. But yeah, I mean, with with consumer, like design, I think, and the, and the experience and, um, you know, the, the way you sort of like set things up for the network. Uh, yeah, yeah. Everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess with, with going back to your writing, uh, uh or before that what was it like being in in Kaposig back then obviously Evan was was there I don't know if you guys overlapped or you were there with with him um and I feel like there's been a lot of interesting people coming out of that house and also just like the the environment um what was that experience like uh and then and then also just that's a good like guess segue to the book that you wrote about Snapchat yeah for sure um it was great it was a great experience um you know, I, I think um, the house has always had this sort of like thing that I that I love about the group is like really fun guys. You know, we're going to have tailgates at the football games. We're going to have a good time. Um, people are also like extremely driven, extremely yeah. type A, um, you know, going to work hard. And so it, it's actually been fascinating to see all the different startups, um, you know, coming out of people that I knew. I mean, the guys I found at Robin Hood were, were older than, than me, so I, I didn't know about with them. But I mean. Those guys, uh, Evan was two years older than me, so it up with him a good amount. Yeah, Brian Barnes, who was in Evan's class, a couple of years older than me, uh, sort of this company M1 Finance is doing really, really well. Um, you know, a couple other guys, uh, the class above me, uh, Andrew Adams has this company Headway that's that's doing really well. Um, David Sunday has a company. Uh, the name has escaped me, but it's it's really interesting. It's um, it's flights in like the Midwest rather than you know if you're going to fly from, um, you know, Omaha to Minneapolis, yeah. Minneapolis is probably too big of a city for a good, that's that big example of like, um, one, one small city to another, uh, rather than like waiting forever for an expensive flight, it, they're, they're essentially doing busing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you get off the flight, uh, four hours from your destination. Um, and there's a bus like waiting on the tarmac, uh, your bags put right on there, uh, and you take a bus uh, out there, which is like a pretty unique idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, Joe Welsh, my, my year uh, has his own wine company. And so it's, it's not all, uh, you know, just, uh, just tech stuff. Kim Lindsay, the year below has a really cool company, Haystack, yeah. kind of like an internal uh, company search um, or internet. Um, so I think like the, the creativity and the breadth from, you know, yeah. Snapchat to a wine country to, to um, 
uh, Andrew Adams Company's mental health uh, for for workers to you know busing for for uh, uh, airlines. I think it's like a there's there's like pretty interesting creativity, but then yeah. I think what probably the, the reason these companies think are successes is is um, that kind of like hard charging type of a spirit versus just um, you know other parts of campus. Uh, I love the co-ops for their, their creativity, but they may be more just come up with ideas than, uh, and <laughs> then actually getting them done. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, and, and, and quick point about, uh, entrepreneurship, not just being like tech companies. I think it's like a, um, really good point. And I'm also like kind of predicting like everything's a cycle and all the, like all the major industries, the executives, the, you know, the, the main people in them running things, getting, you know, setting strategy, they're all going to retire soon. So there's all these big gaps, you know, that are opening up. So it's like, and then the, you know, the best, the best or whatever, the ambitious people who are interested in a variety of things end up filling those gaps. So it is cool to see like, not just tech, but other areas getting filled up by friends and like them getting into it and like, Oh, wow, they're doing that. They're, you know, improving that industry or that's really cool. So yeah, it's definitely exciting to see, you know, what path people go on. Um, yeah, it's always interesting. I feel like I, you know, we are so over indexed with our, our social set on, you know, professional services, tech, uh, financial services, and then, you know, the, the friends that have ventured out into commercial real estate, construction, yeah. uh, you know, obviously, uh, medicine is, is a giant one. Um, you know, it's always interesting to kind of hear about their day to day and the, and the, the, the ways that, uh, those jobs are so different. Uh, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Um, so yeah, definitely want to hear about, about, uh, the book. Um, what was that process like writing a book and going through publishing? I mean, I feel like that's another area that's like everyone, everyone, you know, over, everyone thinks more about the newer things. Like, you know, you, how, you know, what's it like to make a, become a YouTube blogger or, uh, you know, write newsletters TikTok or, or like other, other forms of creation yep. but in books yep. are like one of the oldest forms, but um, that process is like antiquated, but also it's probably changed. What was yeah. that? What was the whole process like of writing the book? Yeah, for sure. So I, um, was having lunch with, uh, like a mentor of mine, Phil Tabman, who was, uh, editor of the Stanford daily, um, many years ago, uh, then was a writer and editor for the New York times for a long time, written a number of different books, uh, mostly on like national security. Like he, he was a national security reporter and editor, yeah. um, you know, been involved in like fascinating, um, you know, decisions with the New York Times and and uh, the Bush administration on on you know publishing um, different stories there. And so, um, you know, we were in lunch one day, and he's he's essentially like, someone's going to write a book about Snapchat. Might as well be you. Um, and I was I was like, oh, that's a pretty good point. Yeah. Um, and so he he introduced me to his editor, uh, who's like a legend who's retiring. She introduced me to her understudy. Um, and at this, you know, I had no idea what went into a book proposal. So she like, yeah, a bunch of books to read, sending some proposals to read. Um, and essentially, you know, it's, it's, it's really a, a marketing document in a way you're, you're sort of like, here's the book, here are some comparisons to, to, you know, comparable books. Yeah. Um, here's why I'm the right author for it. Here's how, like getting pretty specific into like, what are you going to do to sell it? You know, yeah. do you have followings on social media? Do you have an email list? You know, do you have people who are going to take you on their podcast, on their TV show? Um, all that good stuff. And then high level outline of each kind of chapter and the whole story. Um, and then I, I wrote that out out. Uh, my editor was like, yep, this is garbage. Can't tell this. <laughs> uh, and so I was like, okay, 
cool, good feedback. Um, took another probably five months. Um, and actually I wrote, reported and wrote the first like 10% of the book, okay. my first three chapters. Um, just cause like as a first time author, you know, I was 24. And so it was like tough to, to sell anything. Yeah. Um, and then like finally got the, the proposal spot where we're like, all right, this like might work. Um, get a bunch of rejections, you know, uh, interesting story, but you know, Snapchat doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't really feel as, as meaty to dive into as the Facebook and Twitter books, you know, interesting story, but, you know, don't want to invest in a first time 24 year old author, yeah, yeah. Uh, not an interesting story, <laughs> you know, all, all kinds of different reasons. Yeah. Um, and then just that one sounds morning. Sounds like fundraising, actually. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. Then one morning, uh, just in my apartment in San Francisco on the mission and woke up to a call from my editor and she was like, you have a deal um so then left Kosla a little bit earlier than i was planning to but we i i this is going down to a long rabbit hole but uh the plan is always like work there for two years uh yeah. and go to uh stanford business school um but yeah then went out to like do all the reporting um i think the the craziest thing you know you mentioned like all these other things you can do podcasts uh you, you know you can Instead of an audiobook, you could do like a podcast series. Same with Substack. You do like serialized Substack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the the biggest difference is like it's a lot harder to structure an 80,000 word book all as one packaged piece of material yeah. than I think it would be to write, you know, 10, 8,000 word or 20. You know, basically the smaller you're breaking it into chunks, the easier it is to sort of, um, you know, write those coherent little essays. Yeah, yeah. Um, the crazy thing to me was, you know, I, I found I got to this enormous outline, you know, I think a hundred thousand words of notes and interviews. And, and then, you know, a, a, I forget how many thousand, probably 20,000 word outline. Yeah. Um, and I was at my, uh, family, family's place in, in outside of Philly. Um, and I'm like literally on the big old wooden dining table, like moving around these physical pieces of paper being like, all right, but if I move this chapter there, then like yeah. none of these through lines work. And so I have to like, redo this whole structure. Um, and then you, you know, you want, you want it to be like weighty and, and, um, you know, to feel like worth buying when someone yeah. picks up, you know, 300 page book. Um, but also be like tight and, and, you know, something they can fly through and something they feel like, you know, I think I, when you, when you watch a good movie and you're like, ah, oh, I wish that had kept going. Um, yeah. you never want to be like, oh, finally it's over. Yeah. Um, I think that's like one of the big challenges. Um, and yeah, process-wise, um, you know, writing and rewriting, and and um, my editor was very old school. Uh, he had an office. Uh, this is uh, St. Martin's Press, which is one of the Macmillan imprints uh, in the old like Flatiron Building in New York. If you've ever seen that, like the yeah, yeah. Uh, really cool shape. Uh, you know, go up there, and he's just like in this. It has this desk and like books everywhere. Like you know, bookshelves <laughs> behind him. The whole desk is covered in books. And then he would like uh, I'd send him a manuscript to be you know two hundred pages on like eight and a half by 11 paper yeah. and he would just mark it up in in pencil and pen in and and i was like how did you do this because sometimes i would look at it one page and there'd be yeah. like some red pen here some black pen there yeah. like some pencil there and i was like you're doing this all at once or are you like going through it multiple times <laughs> yeah um and then he would just shove that all into like a fedex manila envelope and mail it to me um so i wouldn't say it's a very tech heavy process yeah um and then I think something that was that was really interesting, uh, right, that I just didn't expect as much beforehand is uh, how much the like book launch is like a go to market um, yeah, yeah. You know, movement for a for a book. Um, 
you know, you're, you're figuring out, all right, this far in advance, I got to start, um, getting this into like influencers hands, uh, yeah, cool. you know, whoever those people may be, they're going to influence your target buyer. You know, I have to line out. I want to try to get on this podcast. I want to try to get on this TV show. Um, you know, we, we want to get the book reviewed. Um, and it, it's crazy. I mean, the, you know, I'll give, give an example, like the book was reviewed in, um, the wall street journal and the Washington post. Um, but I, I don't know if those two reviews drove nearly as much sales combined as like being mentioned in Ryan holiday, who's a, a, uh, very uh, successful authors, like email uh, newsletter, recommending books for the month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the other crazy thing about the book world is you have like, and it's, it's difficult because like, there's no way to track really when someone like saw you on TV or heard yeah, you on a podcast yeah, yeah. and then went to Amazon or, you know, even worse went to their, or not worse, but worse for tracking went to their local bookstore, but there's like zero analytics around anything. And zero, so you're like, just taking like yeah. complete shots in the dark on what activities are actually driving sales versus, uh, uh you know, what's a total waste of time. So like, just like, no, no good tracking, no good attribution for any of that. It's, yeah. Um, no, I mean, I, I think it's like, it's a very noble like thing to do, you know, writing, like, you know, writing books has been around forever. And, and I also, it's almost tempting to be like, okay, like are books an older thing and like, oh, it's do people now want quick, you know, short form dopamine, you know, addictive, like content, like, um, but then there's value going like to the, to the true substance and you can't get as much out from, from like, it's better in the short run, but in the long run, you know, you want a book is like the best thing you could do. Um, it's like the foundation. And then from there you can do other media from that. But, um, but yeah, no, it sounds like that process is very much like a startup. And then also I've heard as well that it's very like network connection driven of like, if you get the right editor, like you're kind of set up you get in the right, like, you know, publication or, uh, must read list, you know? Um, yeah, I think it's a lot like, um, it's a lot like fundraising, you know, it, it, yeah. it's a lot better to have Sequoia or, 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 you know, Penguin or McMillan behind yeah. you. Um, you know, certainly have the right partner and the right editor, those, those plays behind you. Um, the, all those things can help. Ultimately, I still think like, like you do have a lot of agency in delivering the, the real home run, um, yeah. product. I mean, even maybe more, I mean, both have like these crazy breakouts. There, there's both have the archetype, right? The, the Michael Lewis, yeah, the, yeah. the team that, that was X stripe, um, you know, that, that raised from Sequoia that got backed by McMillan and like, those are probably destined for the bestseller list. But I think both also have those, you know, everyone passed on this deal 13 times. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, like, I mean, 50 shades of gray, I think started as a fanfic on, on Amazon, oh, wow. uh, you know, went to sell, I don't know how many millions of copies. Um, so I think both have those sort of like crazy breakouts, um, you know, that come out of left field. Um, yeah. it also seems like you, you were very, you're, you're pretty logical and prepared in how you did, how you pursued the book of like, get a mentor, you went through the process outlining before first three chapters. Do you, is that normal or it's, you know, it seems like type, very type A kind of like, okay, let's make sure the shit's like planned out ahead of time versus other people being like in a wood cabin, just like writing, you know, on their own, no connections. And then once they have the book, they're like going and like with a suitcase, you know, from, uh, from like agency to agency or whatever. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think there's a, a million different approaches. I think, I think it also yeah. really varies by, uh, by format. So like narrative nonfiction, um, yeah. you know, typically they're going to be a, 
a business reporter from like Bloomberg or the Wall Street Journal, and they're probably going to be like a little more structured in their thinking. They're used to, you know, their sources are financiers or, you know, CEOs. Um, They're probably going to be a little more structured, Um, you know, whereas like a a novel is, is definitely a much more of the, I wrote this in a, in a cabin in Oregon for (laughs) the last 14 months. Like here it is. Um, So it it varies a lot. Um, But even within those categories, like I'm sure there's other folks who've written, amazing business books that uh that they did in a totally different approach than, than i did and um you know i, I think everyone kind of has their own like process with these things yeah um yeah there's there, i think that's what makes them fun you know it's, it would be boring if, if they were all <laughs> the exact same it's true it's true yeah but i mean it, yeah it does it does seem like there's also like opportunity to like uh within the the, the book publish publishing arena it's also funny. I've, I've heard from like a, lot, a good amount of friends who like influencers or like run agencies and they're now trying to like go through the, like the gamut of like what they can sell and then, you know, merge, mm-hmm. you know, advertiser, you know, uh, paid sponsored posts. Now like these like, you know, fan services or whatever um, podcasts. And it's like some are hitting like the book stage, but like they're obviously writing a book and like if you're an influencer, you know, who just shares like photos of Coachella don't, don't go hand in hand. So it's like, there's a huge, yeah. barrier. but, but I feel like, ne- like eventually like it'll hit that point for some people and maybe that process will get more transparency and maybe get improved. Um, especially the, the distribution part, I feel like is like, it's hard. To, like, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it's like, uh, th- this is true with any art, any piece of art um, of, are there really good books that just never get discovered? because they just ne- didn't have the right, yeah, you know, and I then discovery is the right word or, or, uh, yeah, or, or go viral. And then vice versa. Are there books that make it that aren't that good, but just because they have some credibility or they're pushed, they, they end up being successful. Yeah. I don't know if I, I, I don't know if I agree that like there's that many books that are, I mean, yeah, I guess there are mediocre books that are successful, but like, yeah. uh, I think much more, there probably are a lot of books that haven't been discovered. Um, I don't think it's distribution because, you know, you can just type in, if you, if you know the right author or the right book to type in, you can type in anyone's self-published book on Amazon. Yeah. Um, I think the problem is, is there is still such a cachet around, you know, I got this from sources from, um, you know, definitely with the marketing to get onto someone's podcast, onto someone's, yeah, yeah. you know, Substack. Um, there's a, such a cachet around who's publishing it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough that one of the, the major publishers was, was behind mine and that like yeah. made a meaningful difference, I think, in uh, discovery. Yeah. Um, and so you can, you can go self-publishing right now on, on Amazon. Um, then when you're trying to get on, you know, someone's investing podcast or, or, you know, interviewed by someone's, um, tech Substack, um, they're going to be like, well, who's publishing it? Um, you know, and, and, and if you already have your own distribution, if you're an influencer, you, you have distribution that maybe that's fine. Yeah. Um, but it is, I think still, I think that that is probably the biggest hurdle. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting. I think, you know, I think going back to your, your point about, uh, influencers monetizing different channels. A lot of authors actually go the other way about it, where not many people, you know, if you're, if you look at the bestseller list right now, you're going to see like a Malcolm Gladwell book from five years ago on there. You're going to yeah. see a Michael Lewis book from eight years ago on there. Um, you know, there's a few authors like that, that make a killing on, on actual book sales. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but most authors are not making very much on the actual book. You know, they're not making nothing, but, but it's not like life-changing, stable over many year career yeah. uh, money. And so they're monetizing through, especially this, this is basically all uh, nonfiction. I don't know much about fiction, um, but they're monetizing through other routes. And so I know, I know folks who, you know, wrote a, um, wrote a sort of like 
interviewing business leaders book and then parlayed that into like a very lucrative speaking business. So yeah. they'll, they'll speak yeah. TED, they'll speak at corporate events, they'll speak this, that, you know, folks who wrote a, um, you know, science of, um, you know, have you ever read like Atomic Habits or any of those kinds of books around like um, self-improvement, but it's, really, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, parlaying that into a podcast, yeah. um, you then can then sell like lucrative ad spots for. Um, so, so a lot of people um, kind of have the book and then lead, it's almost like a loss leader into whatever other business line they want to start. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I guess, and that makes sense. That's pretty similar to other industries. Music, you know, probably very similar analogy. People don't make as much, especially now, you know, don't make as much from, from the music show, more about the yeah. concerts and the live performances and, and all that. That, that is, that is interesting. Totally. Um, yeah. And, and I guess Billy, with your book, what was like the, the like most interest, like beyond the process, like, uh, of like, you know, publishing it all and writing it, like, were there any crazy moments and like actually researching it meeting people meeting like the, you know getting the snap story that you want to share um yeah i mean oh, i'm trying to think <laughs> um I, i'm always the most interested in the early days of these stories um yeah. you know so what i what i always liked was was you know talking to sources talking to you know looking up, up documents um doing the research on like the very earliest days uh you know i think the the, the stuff where you're already worth a billion and, and you're, you're growing is like interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. But, I, but I was like the, like, you know, it was three of them and it was called Pickaboo and, yeah. you know, Evan's like handing out flyers, try to get people to use it. Um, you know, and the, the little things like a, a detail that I loved was, you know, you think about like, why did Snapchat start taking off? Yeah. Um, one of the details was the Apple came out with whatever the newest iPhone was. Um, and it was actually the second iPhone with a front facing camera, which meant that the first generation with a front facing camera was a lot cheaper, which meant that a lot of um, teenagers in LA, their parents gave them the cheaper second generation one for Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever that year. Yeah. Um, and so them all having front facing cameras led to like uh, Snapchat selfies. Um, so I just like, you know, those little yeah. details of like, yeah, yeah. you know, second generation and then the first and, and, um, you know, a I had to lead to all the way through to Z, uh, for this all to happen. Um, I find that kind of stuff fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of like, you know, everything kind of lined up perfectly, you know, uh, in the end, you know, like all throughout that's, that's really cool. Um, any, any, uh, plans on, on turning the book into a movie or other type of content? <laughs> Um, nothing right now. Who knows? The yeah, I, I love the social network. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, if uh if the studios come knocking, who knows? Yeah. But uh right now, like plenty of uh plenty of, of work on my hands at rippling. Um yeah. but yeah, I mean it's 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 something that people still talk to me about almost every day. And so yeah, uh yeah. I think that's the, the fun thing about about writing a book is um, you know, you, you talk about the subject for, for years. Um so I don't know, no, no plans right now, but, uh, but who knows? Never say never. Yeah. I mean, I will say that there is a big trend right now of like a uh, content battle oh, more and more these big players streaming, whatever, looking for more and more content, original content. So I think like the, the probability, you know, definitely demand from like the, the content from the studios, I think it's definitely going up. Uh, so could be really cool. Um, and it's lasting on, on, on the book. Um, do you think if you did a second time, it'd be easier? Because I know like, you know. Uh, Definitely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, um, you know, kind of the point I was just, just making about like, 
you have to talk about this subject for, for 10 years. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I definitely want to uh, build and like learn how to, you know, build a great company at Grippling, uh, yeah. you know, hopefully my own one day um, versus just writing about web building. But yeah, yeah. you know, one, further down the line, finding the right topic, the, you know, the second topic that I want to talk about for 10 years, um, I think it'd be great. And, and yeah, I would, I would, it would be so much easier uh, for so much um, what a, a million different rookie mistakes that I would avoid. Um, yeah. so yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely be, I, I hope it's easier the second time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, awesome. And yeah, so I guess like the next like topic to talk about really is like startups and like tech and, and businesses. I mean, you did VC, you also worked at TechCrunch with Josh Constein, which is like pretty cool. And like yeah. another Capacit guy, um, kind of demonstrating the early days of, uh, media covering tech which was like you know early days no one really covered silicon valley and then it kind of grew and grew um but yeah it seems like once again you've covered you've done startups from every angle investing operating you know writing media um what's your what's your or what have you seen in the valley or with startups change you know throughout your time being being a part of it um and like and what are some cool like trends that you see in the future. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I was a little late to this in 2012. Um, you know, it seemed like that sort of like the, the late two thousands, the 2008, 2009 era was, was really, you know, tech owners just getting started. Um, you know, everyone working in the industry in this kind of sleepy town could like bump into each other. Yeah. Um, but it was still to a good degree like that in, in 2012, 2013, I remember, some of the veteran reporters complaining about how the powers was shifting a lot from, um, you know, the journalists to the the founders. Yeah. Um, but you would still, you know, go to startup parties and, and bump into people. Um, you know, you could get the CEOs of these, you know, series C really successful companies on the, on the phone because they, they cared about the press coverage. Yeah. Um, you know, certainly my coverage, and I feel like a lot of my colleagues coverage was, was still sort of like default positive, you know, people are working on, on interesting things. Um, and then definitely the larger you got and, uh, the more, the more skeptical. Um, and, and I think, you know, a lot of things have changed now. There, there are so many companies that, um, and, and the company, like the things people are working on the audience, like the consumer audience hasn't scaled with that. You know, the consumer audience is interested in Apple's new product, uh, you know, what TikTok's working on, what Snapchat's working on. Um, but there's been such a ballooning and like, B2B SaaS startups, uh, you know, deep tech startups, which is awesome. Um, but there isn't really a consumer audience for that. And so, um, and, and so there's not advertising to support that. And so, uh, you know, the newsrooms haven't scaled to that degree. And so, uh, that's been just interesting, like, you know, and then the the funding environment, like there's, you know, used to be raise a $10 million around from, from a good firm. And, and, you know, you have TechCrunch and other, other outlets like lining up to, to report on it and it's just not the case anymore. And so, um, all of that, I think is a little crazy. Um, yeah. and then, you know, I think the definitely like a more adversarial environment, um, between, between press and, and the tech, which like to some degree is healthy to some degree, I, I think is, um, it's, it's, it's like, you know, good skepticism or like skepticism from a, um, like a rational basis, I think is, is good, but just sort of or a flexive instinct, um, or like a childish sort of fighting between two camps. Uh, I don't think it's very productive. So 
um, yeah, those are my sort of rambling media thoughts. Yeah, no. And I feel like even beyond tech, that's like a big, you know, everyone's talking about media, you know, politics and all that fake news, all that and sensationalism division. Um, and I've heard arguments or theories it's because of advertising, advertising revenue went to like Facebook and Google went online. Um, and, uh, and that's, that's, yeah, that's changed, uh, just the dynamics of these companies and, and how and media and media now has to compete harder. And so they're going to go for, you know, it makes sense. What, 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 what gets more bites, what makes more money? Um, do you like, what are your thoughts on that? Like the, like the, the reasons for why also, I mean, to your point, more competition, people getting more skeptical, um, just as like the tech markets grown, but also media in general, just like the, the changing like business model landscape. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the, the positive parts of the, the changing business model landscape are, um, you know, people like Ben Thompson can build a super successful one person yeah, or, yeah. um, people like Jessica Lesson at the information can build a like narrowly focused, um, you know, business reporting for the, the tech, uh, exec, uh, that's subscription. Yeah. <clears throat> um, you know, plenty of other people have successful sub stacks, um, interesting podcasts. I mean, I can, I can, if you're an informed media consumer, like I can go here directly from Mark Andreessen and yeah. then I can go like look at Vox for the, or Andreessen for the techno optimist view and then look at Vox or the New York times for the techno pessimist view. Yeah. Um, yeah. It is more work, but you know, I, I think we sometimes like romanticize what the past was and, you know, previously, whether it was TechCrunch or uh, you know, the wall street journal or, or whomever, uh, you know, you're getting sort of those different viewpoints all packaged into one story, but um, you know, the reporter was doing the filtering for you versus doing it yourself. Yeah. Um, so I think it requires a lot more work now, but uh, it, it's not all worse. Um, yeah. And then, and then I think the other big piece is like the there's like a default skepticism in a reporter that I think is healthy. Um, and and tech is now you know these these companies are the largest companies in the world. Yeah. Um, and so I think that in some cases it is good. Um, you know, we, when we have like a well-intentioned debate about the power of some of these companies or, you know, what, what our laws should be. But I, but I do think, unfortunately, uh, there's a lot of like bad intention or just sort of re- reflexive. I think it's the, the way I think about it. Of, like yeah. anything Amazon does must be bad. And it's like, well, yeah. this is not like productive. Um, yeah. 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 We've lost nuance. I've, I've heard people say. Yeah. That's a good way to put it in a lot of ways. Um, awesome. Well, Billy, this has been great. I really appreciate it. Um, love hearing more about your background and, and, and the story, especially, you know, behind writing the book. Um, excited uh, to keep in touch and, you know, hear how things are going rippling and, you know, other ventures in the future. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Yeah. Have a good one. You too. So. Yeah.